We've been in an Advent series uh, this Advent season where we have been looking at the songs of Advent, that is, uh, these four songs that play prominently in Luke's Gospel at the beginning as he's showing us the coming of our Savior. Uh, For Luke, these take real priority. He kind of hangs the early chapters around these songs where someone encounters the truth of the coming of Christ in a way that moves them to worship and to sing. And we've talked about how it's kind of like that great hymn that William Cooper wrote, Sometimes the Light Surprises a Christian When He Sings. And he says, Sometimes the Light Surprises a Christian When He Sings. It is the Lord who rises with healing in His wings. And so he's referring to that experience that sometimes happens in song that not always happens in just rehearsing or hearing truth. Sometimes song has a particularly powerful way of penetrating a little bit deeper with truth. And sometimes God shows up in the midst of that song and lifts the soul in great joy and apprehending the truths of His love and grace. It's the experience that He talks about. This very experience happened to me about a week and a half ago. Uh, A friend of mine sent me an email and it had a a link there to go to a a YouTube video. Uh, Some of you people have have no idea what I'm talking about, but it's, it's a computer thing, okay? And so, these things come in all the time in email now. You know, you're always getting emailed this hey, check this out, get this story here, watch this clip. And you know, it's just constantly coming in. But for some reason, I watched this one. And I'd actually seen it before. But here's what it was. It was a flash mob at a uh, the food court of a mall. Now, what a flash mob is, not that I would otherwise know what that is, but it's whenever everybody shows up and does something together very unexpected. And in this particular scene, uh, it takes place in a, a, the food court of a mall, just an everyday mall, looks kind of like Hamilton Place, and all of these people are going about their business of the day, they're eating Chinese food, and they're shopping, and, um, and all of a sudden, as the camera's panning around, and everything looks normal, everybody's going their own way, all of a sudden... The background music that was kind of Christmas carols, it changes. And a piano launches in. And all of a sudden, it's the beginning tune of Handel's Messiah of the Hallelujah Chorus. One of the most beautiful pieces of music ever written in human history. And all of a sudden, this lady who was sitting at a table, uh, eating her food on a cell phone, all of a sudden she stands up with the cell phone to her here and launches into hallelujah. And she launches into that hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah to start it up. And then on the other side of the room, a man stands up who's in a wetted, uh, a hooded sweatshirt, stands up on a chair, and he fires back the, the man's part there in hallelujah. And then all of a sudden people start standing up all over the food court, joining into this chorus singing Handel's Messiah, King of kings, Lord of lords, the the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever and ever. 
And it's just unbelievable. And these weren't just ordinary people that got together and do this. This was a, a symphonic choir. These are highly trained people. You would never expect to get this experience in a place like this. You would expect to go to some uh, excellent symphony somewhere in New York and pay hundreds of dollars for these were professionals. They were excellent. Their voices were beautiful. They were trained. And yet, they bring this amazing gift right into the middle of the most ordinary place you could possibly be. Food court in a mall. And as I'm sitting here watching this, and the beauty of the voices are moving my heart, and the truth of what they're singing was penetrating my heart in a fresh way, I'm sitting in my office right up here, middle of the day, and I'm bawling like a baby. I did not expect to. I was just answering email. And out of nowhere, it surprised me. And I was taken back. And I remember thinking to myself, as I'm looking at these people, do they believe this? Do the singers that with full heart are belting these words, do they believe that? And then I'm looking at the people. All of the people there that get surprised by this magnificent gift. You know, some are filming it on their cell phones. Some people are, are, are trying to sing along. And some people are just continuing on about their day. And I'm thinking, do they believe this? And then I think, do I believe this? Because if I believed these words, everything would be different. If they believed these words, everything would be different. In so many ways, the passage that we look at this morning in Luke 2 is just like that flash mob. You have a very ordinary place and very ordinary people and into that ordinary moment, the glory and the truth of heaven breaks in in that moment. And it's very much like that. So I want to, as we look at this passage, just notice three things. One, the audience. Who did this come to? Who did this glorious gift and announcement from heaven come to? Because Luke wants to show us something about that, about the audience. Number two... What does the song mean? What are they singing about? What are the lyrics? Because it's in the lyrics that we're most moved. And then thirdly, what is the response? What does it do to them? What does it do to these shepherds as they encounter this glory breaking into their ordinary moment? So we'll look at the, the audience, the song, and the response together. So let's look at the passage. And as Luke starts us in, it's with this very ordinary scene. There were shepherds living out in the fields with their flocks by night. It's at night time. Just like any other night for these shepherds doing what they always do in the blackness of a field at night. And all of a sudden, somebody cuts the biggest lights on you've ever imagined in your life. Have you ever been in a dark room? Perhaps you're asleep. And somebody runs into the room and flips the light on. My kids do this all the time flips the light on and you're startled and you're scared and you're shocked and it's, it's, it's quite the terrifying experience, at least it can be. It was very much what it was like for these shepherds. They're out in the dark field at night and all of a sudden 
the floodlights of heaven get flipped on. Right there. The angel of the Lord appears to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Imagine the glory of the Lord only visible in heaven shines down right there in that moment. And it says they were terrified, shocked, blinded by the light. But they were also terrified at the one who had come to speak to them. The angel of the Lord appears to them now don't get the wrong idea. This doesn't happen often. This does not happen a whole lot in Scripture. I mean, around here it's happening a lot because God's getting ready to do something big. He's, he's stepping into the world. So, in these first few chapters, you get a number of appearances from the angels. But this one, this one's unique right here. And so the angel comes to them, and as they see this angel, they're terrified. Now, we tend to think about angels as kind of like babies with wings, you know, they're cute. That's not, that's not the description of Scripture. In fact, whenever somebody in Scripture sees an angel, they want to run for their lives. Why is that? Because they are mighty creatures. Because they stand before the face and the throne of God day after day after day, beholding His glory. So they shine a little bit. They're powerful, magnificent. And as he shows up, they're terrified at this whole scene. You get the picture of this. And so terrified are the shepherds that the angel has to calm them down. Hey, it's okay. I've got really good news for you. It's good news of great joy. In fact, it's the greatest news the world has ever known. Another word for good news that Scripture used over and over and over, in fact, Luke will use it, in fact, the prophets used it, is gospel. This good news is the gospel according to the angels. And what is the content of that good news? Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. That's the gospel. He's come. The, the Messiah that your people have longed for forever and ever and ever. He's finally here. He is the Christ, which means Messiah. He is your Savior. He's come to you. He is the Lord made flesh. That's the good news. And as soon as they announce that, it gets even crazier. They've heard this wonderful news. They're trying to take it in. And then all of a sudden, heaven itself opens up. And the angelic choir, literally it says a great company of the heavenly host, that's a military term referring to the armies of the Lord in heaven, legions upon legions of angels, all at once, singing. Imagine that. I mean, you think a flash mob does you in. Imagine this scene, the chorus of heaven raining down upon you. Glory to God in the highest all at once. Imagine that scene. Imagine being there. This is the greatest birth announcement in the history of the world. In fact, this scene, what happens right here, is incredibly rare. In fact, I don't know what we would compare it to in all of Scripture. As far as a revelation of full glory, as far as an announcement of something that has just happened, what do you compare it to? So this wonderful announcement, this 
amazing gift. Who does it come to? And that's what I want to focus on. And that's what Luke wants us to see. Who does this come to? Who does this life-changing, history-shaping news come to in this moment? Surely it will come to the powerful. Surely it will come to the rulers, to those who can do something about it, right? Surely he's going to go to the power brokers and let them know the good news. He doesn't. He goes to shepherds. Now, at first, that might not mean much to you. We don't know shepherds. At least I don't. We don't have a lot of shepherds in our culture. But it was very significant culturally here. We kind of tend to, to look at shepherds very nostalgically, very happily. You know, we saw some very cute ones walk in this morning. But in this culture and in this day, shepherds were despised. They were a lowly class. They were one step up from the lepers. They were outcasts. They were seen as dirty. They were rejected by the people because, because of their work with animals tending out in the fields, they were not able to participate in the ceremonial cleanness. They weren't able to worship and to be clean and to enter into worship at the temple. And so they were seen as untouchables. They were also seen as thieves and as liars. In fact, their testimony would not even be accepted in court. So the shepherds were a very lowly class. These were outcasts. These were the last people on the earth that you would bother to tell some news to. If you got some good news, who do you want to tell it to? I want to tell it to the, to the powerful people, to the people who can do something about it. Never bother with these people. They're forgotten. But who does this go to? God gives the most amazing announcement and gift and revelation to lowly shepherds. Now, why would he do that? He's demonstrating something right here about God's ways. Now, what God is like. You see, this is what God does. God moves towards the broken. God moves towards the humble, the forgotten, the dirty, the broken. That's who He is magnetically drawn towards. That's who He is after. That's who His grace is for. Right here, that's what He's demonstrating for us. Christ has come, not to the clean, not to the good, not to the righteous. He's come to outcast, lowly sinners. And you see it right here in the announcement itself. Of course, that was, that was the content of Mary's song as well. As she's moved to worship, in her song she says this, He has been humble, He has been mindful of the humble estate of His servant. She goes on, He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but... He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but He has sent the rich away empty. You see, Mary is celebrating and worshiping this fundamental feature of who God is, the one that Peter tells us that He opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. It's the most fundamental fact about how God works. God is after the humble, the broken, the needy, that's who His grace is for. That's who He's moving for. That's what He's like. So what does this mean for us? 
we look at this thing? Well, I think essentially this. We've got to learn to boast in our shepherdness. This is what I mean by that. We all have areas in our life. Areas that we would prefer no one to know about. Areas in our life where we are facing all kinds of different things. And every person in here is in the same boat in that regard. You're facing struggles in your life that are eating your lunch. You're facing difficult circumstances. Perhaps it's a marriage. Perhaps it's a work environment. Circumstances that literally are so painful and drive you to despair. You're facing illnesses depression, addictions, so many different kinds of brokenness and every one of us knows that reality. Every one of us is a lot more like the shepherds than we would like to admit. But here's what we're all busy doing. We're all busy trying to convince one another we're okay. We're trying to convince one another it's not really there and I can fix it and I can manage this thing and I can deal with it. So busy at that. You see what we see right here in this story is that you've got to embrace your weakness. You see, God has entrusted those things to you, the things that you wish could be gone. He's entrusted them to you that it might bring you love. That it might show you, I love you. I need your grace. I'm like a lowly shepherd. And as you begin to embrace that instead of fight it and deny it, as you take hold of it and say, this is who I am and I must have you come with your grace into my life. As you begin to do that, the power of His grace comes into your life just like it did for the lowly shepherds. This was the lesson of Paul as he said, I will boast in my weaknesses. What a wacko kind of statement. I will be proud. I will tell everybody I'll be I'm thrilled with my weaknesses. Why? What's wrong with you? Because it's when I'm weak that I'm strong. It's when I am broken down and struggling that His grace is most powerfully at work in me. And that's exactly what we see right here in this encounter with the lower shepherd. So, Luke wants us to see the audience makes all the difference in the world. And it tells us what kind of posture we ought to take in our hearts if we want a similar kind of arrival of His grace. But then also, we've got to look at the song too. The lyrics really matter. What is it that they're singing about? What is it that's filled them with so much glory? Well, in a nutshell, they're responding to something. This is a reaction they're singing in response to something. Most literally, what the angel came to say. The angel came to them and he tells them a piece of good news. He said, today, this Messiah is here. The Savior has arrived for you. The Lord, God, has wrapped himself in flesh and entered into the brokenness of your world. That's the piece of news. That's the gospel. But immediately after that, heaven rips wide open at the wonders of that truth. You see, the point of the song is that whenever the gospel is announced to these shepherds, heaven can no longer contain itself. Heaven rips open and all of the angels 
as they have a bird's eye view looking down on this unspeakable thing that God has done, entering Himself into His creation, as they see that, as they see the news announced, they can no longer contain themselves. Heaven opens and they say, Glory to God in the highest. And what, what they're doing is describing heaven's opinion of this news. That's what happened. Glory to God in the highest means glory to God up here in the highest place. You see, the second part of the song is about the reality for the earth. That's the dichotomy there. In the highest place, glory. Down here on earth, here's the implications for you. You see, as the angels see what God has just done, they are undone. They're undone with the realities of the gospel. You would do what? You see, they know His wonder, His power, His glory, His grace, His justice. They know that. They see it face to face for all eternity. But in what He has just done, in the coming of Jesus Christ, is He's blown all of that category. Nothing so glorifies God than the expression of His outrageous grace in the sending of Jesus Christ. Nothing can bring Him more glory that He would be so willing to empty Himself of glory and pour Himself into the low humility of a human being. Nothing so glorifies Him. And as the angels see that, they're undone. They're like, are you kidding me? You've done it all. It's beyond what we could ever imagine. So they're saying, heaven is filled with glory because of the news you just heard. But they also have a message for the shepherds. You see, part of the point of this song is not just to burst out and worship and enjoy themselves. They want the shepherds to realize the significance of the news they've just heard. What might have happened is the angel come and say, listen, Messiah's come. He's been born. He's come to you, your Savior. And then they leave and they might say, hey, that's cool. That's good news. Where's our sheep? Let's go back to our sheep. They don't do that. Do that. Because the song of the angels comes to drive home the full significance of what they just heard. As they shower out the glory of heaven, then they say, on earth, peace to men on whom is favor." You see, they're pronouncing a benediction for the earth. They're talking about the implications for you, shepherds, for you people. This is what it means for you. We talked about what it means in heaven. This is what it means for you. Peace. One of the fundamental realities of the earth, ever since it was made, and that day that it all fell, in one crashing fall, the reality, the most vivid reality of life under the sun on this earth, is lack of peace, war, violence, hatred, enmity. Can we be any more reminded than we were just this week with the tragedy that took place in our nation and seems to happen over and over and over all across this world? You see, that is what it's like on the earth. You see, what the angels come in to say is, do you know what this means for the earth? Peace, shalom, all things broken, made new. The greatest enmity at all, the separation between God and man, peace. You're restored to God. You're restored to one another. 
they're, they're spelling out in song the implications of the wonder of the incarnation. They're saying this reverses everything for you. This changes your everyday reality. That's what their song needs to be, shepherds. So the lyrics matter. The audience, Luke doesn't want us to miss it. But he also wants us to see the response. He spends quite a bit of time here in the rest of the passage on the response of the shepherds, of what happens in them as they've heard this news that's just come to them. Verse 15, When the angels had left them, and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Wow, that was really cool. So where'd those sheep go? Oh, sorry. I read the wrong thing here. No, they don't say that. They don't say, Wow, that was awesome. Let's go back to what we were doing. What do they say? Let's go. Are you kidding me? Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see it for ourselves. I gotta see this. Verse 16, so they hurried off. They went in haste, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. So these, these shepherds, what are they doing now? Now they're telling everybody they know about it. They've become evangelists. These are not trained speakers. These are not good, slick talkers. They've had no training in this thing. But yet, here they go, running off, just telling everybody they see about it. What is wrong with them? Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard. The, the, the shepherds are running off everywhere, telling everybody they see, filled with worship. Say, you can't believe this news. Now, I want you to note something here. They did not get any instructions of what they were to do with the news. You notice that? The angel, after the choir didn't say, all right, all right, let me explain something to you. What we need you to do now is we need you to go and see this, and then we need you to tell ten people, and then you need to go over here and tell these people. You need to make sure you worship sufficiently. None of that happens, right? It was a natural response. Why? Because they perceived in their hearts of what that news meant for them. You see, they got it. It hit home. They saw, oh, that changes everything. And they went off. It was the kind of natural response we all have whenever you get some piece of wonderful news. You know, we don't have to be taught to be like this. God made us like this. We commend what we cherish. Something wonderful happens, what is the first thing you want to do? We want to tell some people. Last night I was sitting there watching, unfortunately, Ridgeland fall short in the state championship, watching it last night. And I, I started getting all these texts rolling in on my phone. I'm like, what is going on? You know, I'm hearing it buzz over there. I go over and I look and I'm like, she said yes, we're engaged. Somebody in our congregation last night got engaged. Timmy and Maria Larson are now engaged. And, yeah. And you know the interesting thing, I wasn't there, but I can imagine after she said yes and after he got over his shot, I can imagine they didn't say, well, that was neat. So what do you want to go do now? So what are we up to tomorrow? What are you up to tomorrow? I, I would be willing to bet that didn't happen. 
You know what I bet happened immediately? I think I kind of saw the evidence of it. Phones are working, right? We're lighting everybody up. We're engaged. Let's call our family. Let's call our friends. Let's call everybody we know. That's what it was like for Ashley and I. When you get news like that, you can't help it. You just share it. If it really hits you. The other day, this week, I was in the Covenant Library, you know, and typically, as a general rule, libraries are supposed to be quiet. So I'm sitting in there seeking some quiet. And, you know, finals are going on this week, you know, a lot of pressure and all that stuff. And all of a sudden, I hear this guy burst into the door, okay? Door just swings wide open. I'm free! He just finished his last final. He went around that room and found his friends and shook them and said, I'm free, it's over, I'm done with my finals. And of course, you could hear their disappointment in knowing the good news wasn't for them as well. They still had finals. So, But he was filled with joy. He said, we do this. You're going to have a baby? You want to tell people. You, know, you get a job, you get into that school that you're longing for. Your children do something magnificent. What do you do? You're filled with joy. It affects you. That's the point. It moves you. You commend it. You tell it. You share it. What we're seeing in the shepherds is the most natural experience you could ever imagine if you get it. If the truth of it really hits home and you start to do the math. So the question this morning, how are you responding to the lyrics of the gospel? How are you responding to the truth that the shepherds heard? That God has wrapped Himself in flesh, the most unspeakable humiliation outside of the cross for you. And because of that, you are now free. You're clothed in His righteousness. He will one day make all things new. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. Does that hit home for you? Are you able to flesh out the implications in your own life? In those areas of your life that are most troubling? The areas of your life that are most painful or most eating your lunch? Like an impossibly difficult marriage? like a broken relationship, like sin eating its way through your family, a deep struggle with depression or anxiety that just owns you, are you able to take the truth of the goodness of the gospel and bring it down into the reality of your every day? Can you do the math? Because you see what the angels were saying in their song is, this changes everything. Peace on earth to those on whom His favor rests. If you perceive it, if you take hold of this news, peace, shalom, everything for you is different. Are you perceiving that? As I was watching that flash mob scene, and I'd encourage you, go watch that today. Try not to cry. But anyways, I, I'm... I'm watching this, and I'm hearing these words. Lord of lords, hallelujah. King of kings. These unbelievable, the most wonderful truths you could ever imagine. And I'm thinking, do they get this? 
does it hit home for them? And if it does, why are they responding like that? You know, what they did after it was all over, everybody sits down and goes back to their ordinary. I mean, it was part of the performance. There's a great picture of what so often happens, right? The announcement of the good news of the gospel, and people say, oh, that's fantastic. All right, now back to the everyday. How will they respond? How can they go back? How can it be the same if you really believe these things? Here's my hope for us as a congregation, as a people. My hope for us is that we will be, at least we will see that we are like the shepherds. That we'll see ourselves and say, I am a lot like them. I'm broken. I'm needy. I need your grace. My hope is that we'll have that kind of posture in our hearts. Because you know what happens? Whenever you get there, you begin to perceive the implications of the gospel. And my hope is that the truths that the angels sung, will it hit home with us. That it would fill us with worship and with joy. And we wouldn't be able to contain it. We'd tell people about it. We would celebrate. We would worship with fullness of hearts. My hope is that we would be the kind of community that would be moved out in mercy towards broken people, towards poor people, towards suffering people, because that's exactly what He's done with us. And that's what He's like. May He work in us what is pleasing to His Son. Let's pray together. Father, You know how easy it is for us particularly with all of the distractions, not only of this season for us, but all of the distractions of our culture, to get a little taste of the wonder of your gospel and then to move on, to move on to the same old routine. Lord, I pray that by the power of your Spirit, you would break in on us, break in on our monotony and our everyday, open our hearts with humility to the wonders of all that you have done in Christ and all that you promised to one day do whenever he returns. Fill us with this truth, this joy, that we are never the same. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.